Happy almost new year, everybody. It's good to see you. Uh, if you could, please turn with me and let's read together Psalm chapter 31. The book of Psalm chapter 31. And we're going to read four verses, 21 to 24. Psalm chapter 31, 21 to 24. And if you would, in reverence for God's word, let's rise from our seats. And hear now the word of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. But you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Uh, let's pray before we begin. Lord, we know that it is you that feeds us just as you fed your people when they were out in the wilderness, when there was Nothing in sight that they could eat. Lord, you fed them with manna. And Lord, we ask that you would fill us and feed us with your word tonight. As we finish off 2018, Lord God, we want to end it with your word. And we want to begin it with your word as well. So please be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, a lot of times when people go to like New Year's stuff, and if you look on your social media sites and their feeds, it's about... What happened? You know, what, what did happen? So I thought maybe we should just do a brief thing about CGS. What happened? A lot of, hap a lot of things happened. A lot of you are already like smiling. It's like a lot of things happened. Uh, this is the same. This is, um, I think, in that spirit, I would ask when, whenever I have family meetings, like my uncles would ask me, how is your church doing? And I'd say, there's good times and there's tough times. And then he would say, oh, you're telling me absolutely nothing. Because everybody goes through good times and tough times. But it, it was about this time last year when we had our final service at 18SX. And it was, the last service was Christmas. And I remember doing that service and being with you all. A lot of you, I think most of you with us. And, you know, just being this very particular almost peculiar, but particular moment in history of our church lives. And I would take us back there. Remember how you felt. Remember the thoughts that were going through your head. Remember the questions that you had at the end of 2017. You remember at CGS, we literally did not know where we would worship in six days. We didn't know. Christmas was on a Monday uh, last year. And then the court order was for us to hand over all our stuff to the presbytery. So we needed to move by Thursday because that was the due date. And so we would take all the stuff that we would have and got all these blue chairs that you're sitting on, <laughs> got the sound system that you're listening to me on, and then we packed it up in about 
two to three days. And then here we are. I don't know if you asked me last year if you thought I would be confident that we would be sitting here in this place, in a place like this, worshiping God together. I don't know if I would have been confident enough to say yes, but what I did, what I did believe and what I do believe, and I think this is what you all believed, was God was going to take care of his church. God was going to take care of us because we were his children and he would not let us go. And in less than a year, here we are. That's incredible. It's an incredible testimony. We went through the book of Exodus, and I remember when we first went to Eastern Christian High School, the big concern, some of you don't know, like my, my brother here, Jason, you may not know exactly, but you know, brother, I just want to let you know, we had no idea what time service would be. We always had it at 12. So if we didn't have a choice, because PMC, we have teachers there, and we needed to supply them with teachers, so it depended on when they would hold service. So when they said they couldn't hold a 10 o'clock service, they needed to hold a 12 o'clock service because the building PMC was renting had a service time then. So they had to do it at 12, so their youth group would move it to 12. So we just had to adjust and push our service to 10. And our concern was like, that's great to some of us. But for a lot of us, we're used to 12. We actually lost a few people. I kid you not. They told me, Sunday is me time, 10 is too early. And that's what we went through. We went through this really trying time of, sometimes we didn't know why we were taking these footsteps. We didn't know why we were going in a certain direction. Why does it seem like I am being not just coerced, but forced into these steps in 2017. But who would have thought that at the end of 2018, we would be here, in this place, giving God worship together, warm, dry, especially dry. I remember even back in our old building, anytime it rained, we would just... Elder King, I don't know if you remember. Remember when I was a youth pastor and you were an elder? We would just run and grab the biggest garbage cans we could because the roof started to leak and it would get all over the ground in the fellowship hall where we would give worship and we would adjust chairs. I remember Elder Kang would stay there and make sure all the, all the chairs were in line. And if it wasn't, he'd be like, Pastor Gene. <laughs> like, yes, sir. And then, <laughs> so that, that, I remember all of that. And who would have thought all of that would lead to this place here. We were an Eastern Christian. We were worried about even our young kids. Will they be acclimated? Because they were used to going to the pilgrim service. And now pilgrims, pilgrim church's service was 30 minutes, almost 30 minutes away. How can we have a children's program as robust and as good as a mega church? We're not a mega church. If you didn't know, we're not a mega church. Surprise, surprise. We are a small church, and we were trying to act like a mega church. 
How about this ministry here? What about the children? Do we have anything for the youth? What about the families? What about college? And we're doing all these things. And then, and I was thinking, oh my goodness, we are acting like a mega church, but we're not. We're a small church. And when you dealt with me, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, you're the senior pastor. Oh, that's, no, man. I'm just me. And I wanted to be your brother. I wanted to be your pastor. But we went through that and people would come back after just a few months saying, my kid loves it in this new building. In fact, when we got this new building, they weren't sure. It's like, I don't know if they'll like this new building because they already loved that old one so much. We had kids playing with the water fountains, just running around in the halls and things like that. Do you remember taking pictures? Do you remember that? It's important to remember. And then we were thinking, oh, we need to move out of this place because who knows when the school will say, we, you, we can't have you anymore. Who knows when they'll say, you know what, we have something else that's a priority and you're going to have to go. So we started praying, saying we need a place. And then Jubin found this place, this very place, because the church before left and they bought a place in Glen Rock. And so they, this place was open, but it was really pricey. And so, no one liked it at first. Do you remember? You even brought it to like, we brought it to like Pilgrim. Hey, this is a nice place. It fits about 250 people. <laughs> but they're, you know, they're 2,000 people. So I don't know if they like that idea. It's like, we could go in here together. <laughs> but they did. Anyway, but, uh, and they didn't like it at first. And then, you know, we, we prayed about it. We held it. And then Juven just was really adamant about it. At one point, I said, Juven, stop. They don't like the idea. <laughs> My bad. Uh, but, and when, when finally it happened, we didn't know because there were, tell me if I'm wrong, there were at least two or three other churches bidding for this place. And so when we went to see the landlord, uh, Juven, Sung, Pastor Paul, and myself, we went to see the landlord. And the landlord, as soon as we walked into that building, the landlord goes, who went to Stuyvesant? Who went to Stuyvesant? And I thought, what is going on, right? The, the four of us were like, what? And he apparently did research on us by looking, and this is a 60-something, 65, 60-something-year-old man who went to our website and looked up each and every single one of us, found out that someone went to Stuy, and he wanted to know which one of us went to Stuyvesant. And I awkwardly said, I, I, that's me, I guess. He's like, that's a good school. I was like, I guess it is. <laughs> I don't know. But he immediately took a liking to us. And then he wanted to do us. Um, he actually sat down with us. And we sat down that first meeting for about two hours. And he just told us about his life. His life as a Jewish man growing up in New York. <laughs> and we sat there we're like, that's very intriguing. <laughs> Amazing, amazing, Mr. Rothberg and Rothman. Uh, but and then he he would say, "Oh, let's meet again." And I remember us walking out, and the four of us, all four of us, are like, "Who's gonna go?" Because it's not me. <laughs> but Jubin and I ended up going again. But the second time wasn't as long. It's about one hour forty-five minutes, right? 
And he says, oh, I like you. He pointed to you. He says, I like you. I could read their faces. You have this really good poker face. And honestly, this is what I was thinking. It's not that I have a poker face. It's because I have no idea what's going on. I just don't have any emotion. I'm not sure if this is good or bad. And so prayerfully, we were preparing. And then in a matter of, I think, just going back forth with the lawyer, we got a real estate lawyer. The lawyer's looking at it. This is terrible. You got to change some stuff. And because of him, we were able to change some stuff. And then we got this place. And I, I knew other churches were looking at this place too because when I would talk to other pastors, Pastor Paul and I go to this fellowship network in Jersey Pastor, they would mention this place. Oh, you heard this place, so expensive. And we're like, yeah, yeah, kind of heard of it. And uh, we got it in about a month and a half or two months, something to that effect. We signed the lease. We needed to get everything. It was like, oh, can we move in? It's like, you need a certificate of occupancy or a CO. But there was already a church in here, so we needed a CCO, continuing CO. And then so we had to go to the town. And the town was like, I don't know, I think you got to completely apply for a new one. We had no idea what was going on, if they would give it to us. So we signed the lease, and we had no idea when we would move in. Some other people in Pilgrim Church became a little overzealous, and they went to the town demanding a CEO, and the town told uh, those people, like, we're not even going to give you a CCO. you got to start all the way from the top, because they, they, they upset him. So we were like, oh my goodness, we may never move into this building. And then we got to just pray. In two weeks, we got the CCO, and that's why we were able to move in. We took all this stuff out of storage, and all these chairs that you were sitting on here now, we put in Joe's warehouse. And God had built his business up just perfectly. That It would fit our chairs. No, it was. It wasn't too big. It wasn't too small. Boom. The chairs just about fit in that warehouse. And it's true, right? I'm not lying. And, and we were able to take it out. And at that time, when we needed to take it out, it was, it was a good time, at least for Joe and Dave, because... They needed to continue to grow and expand, so they needed that space, and we were able to take it out. And we continued to go in this, in this place, and then we see when people would come, it's like, wow, this is, this is a decent place, and we wanted to use it for worship. We wanted to use it to praise God. And guys, all I did right now was talk about space. There was so much more that God did for us in CGS. You know, I believe with all my heart that he stirred up in us a love for his word. And even when the scriptures read, a lot of our hearts are like, whoa, this is so good. You know, I want the word to continue to change my heart and my life. And I think that's even a greater testimony of God's goodness to his people. And I want to tell you that it's important that we remember these things because these things we are saying is a testament to God's faithfulness, God's goodness. I don't think by any standard we could say we've prayed enough. I don't even know what that means. Or we studied enough. or We love God enough. But because of his incredible grace and love for his church, he gave us what we have now. 
and we could look back at 2018 and every step of the way, he was supplying for us a place, but more importantly, he was bringing us to a place. He was bringing us to himself and saying, I am the greatest prize and treasure. And when we say eyes on the prize, CGS, it means eyes on God, eyes on his word. And we are being transformed. And we have been. In our passage today, David said, blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. If that isn't perfect for us, I don't know. But 22, the next verse is important, and I want us to get that. I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. What does that mean? When things got rough, we were like, whoa, I have no idea what's going to go on. Is God even blessing CGS? I don't know. But it says, you have heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. I am cut off from your sight is not a plea for mercy. Okay, I want us to get that difference. I am cut off from your sight is a sign of despair. It's like, I, I'm done. I'm, I'm undone. Woe is me. But it says, but you have heard the cry, voice of my pleas for mercy. Meaning, they, David already cried for mercy before, but God had heard it. And God was on the move. But David didn't realize it, and he would say this too quickly. When David was in trouble, he felt God was not with him. I am cut off from your sight. And he realized that was wrong. That was wrong. When we feel a certain way, and it's, it's true, we can feel, even David felt that. When we feel that God is not with us, we must remember that God is with us because he has promised to be with his people and he keeps his oaths. He keeps his promises. So we should not feel despair when we don't actually see our prayers answered right away. The opposite also is true. The very uh, chapter in Psalm before says, I will never be shaken. That kind of attitude where we have everything, we're like, you can't touch us. That's also wrong. So when we base our confidence or insecurities on emotion, that is wrong. Our confidence must be based on God's promises, on God himself, actually, which is what I want to get into. We must live on the basis of what God has revealed, not what we feel. We as people of God must live on the basis of what God has revealed, not what we feel. When pilots take their planes up into the sky, they have a, an, a whole vast array of instruments, do they not? 
And from their instruments, they can tell exactly where they are. They can tell if they're upside down, what their altitude is, because you can't even tell from the clouds, because there could be like two layers of clouds, or who knows where you are, especially if you're going through a cloud and you have turbulence, like are you upside down, are you right side up, are you going left, right, right? And the instruments tell you. But when pilots go into the clouds, they must follow their instruments, even if it would contradict what they feel is up or left or right. Does that make sense? But pilots don't always do that. Did you know that? And there have been accidents when pilots would all of a sudden start nosediving off of the clouds. And then people tried to figure out why is it that pilots just can't trust their instruments? Their instruments are right. The instruments that they have are good. They, they've been checked, they're right. How come some pilots just can't trust it? And there's a heuristics theory out there and there are three things in this heuristics theory. One is selection bias. Selection bias is when someone cherry picks what they want to see so it fits their view. So when they look at all the instruments, they don't look at the whole panel, they just pick and choose what they think is already right. So that is selection bias. When you start cherry picking things and try to see whatever fits your view and you validate it by cherry picking, that will lead to disaster. Selection bias. Second one is confirmation bias. It's where someone ignores things that don't fit their view. It's also called expectation bias. So I feel like it's this, the instruments say this, the instruments must be wrong. It must be wrong. So that's confirmation bias. So I told you two in this heuristics theory. Selection bias, confirmation bias, and the third one is attention, attention excuse me, tunneling. It's when, where someone becomes fixated on just this one thing and starts ignoring everything else. Starts becoming fixed. And you would think, how does that even happen? But when your heart becomes anxious, when you let that bitterness seep in, when you let that hopelessness come in, don't you see the chances of us falling into one of these three things goes up. We have been given not just human man-made instruments. We have been given the perfect word of God. This is what we follow. This is what we are to do as a church. This is what we are to trust, knowing that this scripture is God breathed and he is leading us through his word it says here as we continue on love the lord all you saints the lord preserves the faithful but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride and so what does that also mean so when i cried to you he did hear my cry and now he is exhorting not just himself but all who will listen to the psalm where do you keep your eyes keep your eyes on the prize keep your eyes on god keep your eyes on his word his word is leading his church and we are the ones who are to be faithful and persevere no matter where the cultural winds will blow this way or that way. 
We are the ones who are to say, yes, we will be faithful by trusting in God. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. So he's encouraging, just as David waited, even though he was like, ah, he got to that point. You may also feel right now, maybe you feel like you've been cut off. Some things in your life aren't working right. David is encouraging you. The psalm is encouraging us now. If you feel like you've been cut off, then what? Cry out. Cry out to the Lord. Pray and wait. Cry out and wait. Because if we are putting on the right lenses and we look back, we see his faithfulness. But when we look forward, we should also see that God will be faithful. Do we have any reason to trust the Lord in this? I think we have many. But there's this one a section of verses I wanted to share with you as I end. And it's Jesus' prayer for his church. He prayed for us. And he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory, that you have given me because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I may know to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus' prayer is that we are also one, that we become completely united. How completely united? Like the Father and the Son. How united were they? It was an incredible, infinite, just overawing unity and Jesus is saying the church should be one like that but here is how we excuse me here's how we do it every single time he would mention it he would mention what he would mention the father and himself he wouldn't say they should do it give them strength he would say may they be united like we are may they do this like we are So where do we keep our eyes if we are to be united, if we are to grow, if we are to be mature, if we are to work out our salvation? Where do we keep our eyes? We don't keep it on ourselves. We keep it on God. 
And as we keep it on God, our hearts change. We become more like him. That's a beautiful thing. Just as if you had a pet, you start looking like the pet. I thought the pet starts looking like you, but I've realized dogs don't change their face. We do. So be careful what kind of pet you know. I'm just kidding. Uh, but we become like the ones we look at. And Jesus is saying, may they be one like we are one. So they should look at us. We should look to God. Then our hearts change. And then when I deal with people, I get it, you know. This past... Um, Yesterday, we had a members meeting. There are so many questions, and I, I said that I like them for the most part. I like those questions. And as a pastor, pastoring, I realized a lot of people have a lot of questions. I personally love questions, but I think it reveals the person's character asking when you ask questions. So the question I always ask as a pastor, I'm going to give you a secret. When you ask me a question, you know this is what I'm thinking. What's the heart behind the question? What's the heart behind the question? Is it love? Is it trust? Or are you standing in judgment? Because when you ask standing in judgment, don't you see the Bible also says you stand in judgment? So what's the heart? And how do we keep our hearts pure? We keep our eyes on the prize. I think I said it enough, and I hope we get it. We end 2018. And as we go into 2019, I urge you, my brothers, my sisters, keep your eyes on the prize. God is faithful. He leads his people. He's shown us year after year after year after year. He's worthy to be praised. His death and resurrection is something that we will proclaim for all of our lives together because it points to eternity. I get to spend eternity with you guys. Isn't that a joyous thing that we could praise God together? And that's what we're doing and practicing now, this very moment. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, our Father, even if our heart would betray us, help us by strengthening our spirits to learn to trust your word, even when it tells us things that we don't want to hear. We pray that we would be able to accept what you tell us, accept the truth of your love and forgiveness. Teach us to trust your word. And we thank you, Lord, for being faithful. We praise you for your faithfulness. And we ask that you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You would have received a pen, hopefully, but also a little index card. We do this every year. Uh, but I would like you to do a little bit, something a little bit different. If you could, uh, take that index card and I want you to write down something in 2018 that God has revealed to you about his faithfulness. 
What has God shown you in 2018 about his faithfulness? And it could be something short, it could be simple, and it could be longer, if you have a longer testimony. And then, the next half of that index card is now that we have this call to follow God faithfully, what is it that we need? What are we projecting in the sense that I would love to do this? Okay, I'm gonna give you an example. For me, it always, it, I, I think I shared my heart. It is to love God's word as to follow it with all of my heart and lives. And for 2019, is to fall deeper in love with God's word. And you may not exactly have that one. It could be something more personal. And I want you to be honest. And what we're going to do is we're going to give you a few minutes here and just mark down an altar of thanksgiving. I think I've simplified it this way. Altar of Thanksgiving 2018, what you look forward to in 2019, how we can pray for that, okay? Pray for that. And a lot of us have prayers that we've been praying. And so I want you to write that down, whether it's something about your career, family, something, whatever it is. I want you to write that 2019. And what we'll do is we're going to give you a few minutes. I'm going to open the table up. And then as you take the bread then take the cup, and then Pastor Paul will be standing on this side, and I'll be standing on this side, and we're going to give you the shepherd's prayer. We're going to pray for you with whatever you wrote, and then you can return back to your seat. Does everybody understand what I said? Okay. I'll explain it one last time uh, before we begin, but I'll give you a few minutes right now. An altar of thanksgiving, what we look forward to in Christ in 2019. So let's write that down.
I'm also going to ask that uh, if you are an elder's wife, that you come together at the end, come together at the end so you can be prayed for together. If you're with the family, come together so that we can pray together, pray uh, for you together as a family. Uh, if you come as a single unit, then you can come alone and we'll still pray for you, so don't worry about that. And uh, we'll pray for each unit that way. As we begin, uh, let's recite the prayer that the Lord taught us to pray. And Lord, Lord taught us to pray by saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us as our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this, is cup, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For, often, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Let's take this time to pray personal prayer to the Lord, making sure that we are right with God, that this is something that God has commanded us to do, making sure that we are first right with him. And as you're ready, please come up um, on this aisle and that aisle. And after you've taken it, uh, please exit to the very end aisles. And once again, please come up as a unit. Let's pray.